Welcome into another edition of the Stretch Big Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jacob Bigelow. As we sit here right now, we are one week away from the month of February. We are 52 days away from Selection Sunday, which happens to be on St. Patrick's Day this year. And that means that the regular season for college basketball is in the home stretch. And at this point, as we are rounding into one of the final two turns of if this was a horse race. Nebraska is 15 and 5 on the season. They are 5 and 4 in the Big 10 conference and they have 11 games remaining on the season, just 5 home games remaining at Pinnacle Bank Arena and they did what they needed to in their most two recent games, which is hold serve and protect home court in wins over Northwestern and Ohio State. That's what this podcast is going to focus mostly on, talking about the previous two games. I give you a little mini preview of Northwestern at the end of the last pod with Gary Sharp. Thanks again to Gary for being our first guest. More guests to come in the future, but we'll talk about both games. A little preview of Maryland on Saturday afternoon. I'll tell you, that was one of that was my first Big Ten road trip as student manager. Was going out to Maryland. I may. Have a little story time there. And then uh, we'll look ahead. Well, not look ahead. Look around the Big Ten uh, with an enormous week looming next. An enormous three-game stretch, really, uh, looming for Nebraska after the Maryland game on Saturday afternoon. Um, But we'll start with the two most recent games. I'll give you my thoughts. Um, Asked the folks on uh, Twitter if they had any other questions they wanted to hear about. And only got a couple, but we'll still address those as well. Um, But yeah, as I said, Nebraska held serve at home, uh, defeated two two quality Big Ten opponents uh, in Northwestern and Ohio State. We'll start with the Northwestern game, previewed it with Gary, uh, previewed it uh, last week. It was alumni day at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Danny Knee back in town for the first time in some uh, 15 years. (laughs) So you know, a lot of nostalgia, a lot of emotion in the air. Nebraska getting the win 75-69 over the Wildcats. And it was kind of a, you know, I know Tom Chattel said it felt like survival for Nebraska in his postgame column. And it really did, especially when Nebraska turned the ball over 18 times. Still found a way to win. Uh, Kese Tomonaga kind of with the dagger kill shot three with about 25 seconds to play in the game. Uh, Made it a two-possession game that late. Uh, It also helped that Northwestern was just one of their last 12 from the field. They had a lot of good looks, and the shots just couldn't fall. Um, Nebraska also held Boo Booey in check. He was only 2 of 15 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. Ty Berry, one-time Tim Miles recruit, uh, was 2 of 10. So they're two... Go-to guys were a combined 4 for 25 from the field. Brooks Barnheiser with a career-high 24 for the Wildcats. And once again, it was a balanced attack for Nebraska, um, led by Josiah Alec, who had 15 points, Kese with 14, Williams with 12, Jamarcus Lawrence with 10, C.J. Wilcher also with 10. So a balanced attack for Nebraska. But like I said, 
turned the ball over 18 times. Uh, they had the same amount of turnovers as they had assists in the contest, and they were kind of just scratch. They were scratching and clawing, and you know they that was a game they needed very bad just for them. You know we had heard Fred Hoiberg get a little fiery going into the game, talking about people thinking the sky was falling. Uh, his son Sam Hoiberg talking about how the new mantra for this team is business like, uh, expecting to win every game, not you know celebrating wins. That was a you know, Fred immediately said, we're not dancing, we're not dumping water on anybody, we're moving on to the next game after they knocked off Northwestern. But, you know, the turnovers, that is obviously the biggest thing that stood out for me. Nebraska, they got the lead to double digits a couple times, but, you know, they, uh, you know, they ate, Northwestern turned 18 turnovers into 17 points. That'll do. And, you know, they, it felt like, you know, I was kind of waiting for Boo Booey to, wake up, come alive a little bit, and he never really did. And that's, you know, it helps. Nebraska played pretty solid defense, and they got the job done. They, you know, protected their home court, which is going to be so key. Uh, The Northwestern win after recent results for the Cats, uh, we'll talk about that later in the show, the the win at home may sneak in as a quad one win. Uh, The game here in... uh, two weeks is just under two weeks as I sit here recording this when they go to Evanston that'll definitely be a quad one win uh, when they go to Welsh Ryan which has become a legit at good atmosphere we'll talk about that at the Northwestern Illinois played a really good basketball game last night we'll talk about that in the around the Big Ten segment but you know Nebraska they you know I was most impressed offensively in this game by Josiah Alec um, he definitely found his, you know, he found his niche. I've talked about it a little bit. Just, you know, back to the basket game, using his athleticism, physicality um, to post up. And he was doing work around the rim. Uh, Rink Mass did too a couple times, but that was kind of the way Northwestern was defending. The, the middle was open. You know, if you could make an extra pass, get inside of the rim, they were really... Uh, trying to defend the outside and you know limit the threes, and Nebraska only took thirteen, it was the fewest uh, threes they've attempted in a game. They sh- shot fifty three percent, but they were just seven th- seven makes on thirteen attempts. Uh, season low for Nebraska. They were averaging north of twenty five threes attempted per game, and in the following game against Ohio State, they they eclipsed the amount of attempts from the previous game in the first half of the game, but. You know, Nebraska, Northwestern's a really good team. They're on track to uh, be back in the NCAA tournament. They're on track to get the get a double bye in for the Big Ten tournament in Minneapolis um, here at the end of the regular season. And they're trying to chase down those those top teams. They now have wins over two of the three top teams in uh, Purdue and Illinois. And Chris Collins, he, he was a... Uh, Celebrating with his shirt off in the locker room last night, but he was very complimentary of Nebraska over the weekend. It was the first time he'd lost to uh, Nebraska under Fred Hoiberg, and they know each other well from Fred's time in Chicago. Their sons played against each other in some summer ball action as well during that time. And you know, Nebraska they held on and they they got her done. They um, led by as much as eleven. Eleven was their largest lead. They had that twice and. You know, they just uh, they did what they needed to do to seal the deal. And, uh, you know, the win was almost, you know, the second second billing behind uh, 
the return of Danny Nee. Um, everything I was told was he put on quite the show at the uh, alumni uh, dinner the night before at the Hendricks Training Complex and even made a return trip to Barry's on Friday night before the game. Um, Nebraska also wore a alternate. They called them throwbacks. Um, I I liked the look, um, I, it's, well, the color scheme at least. I'm not really a fan of the uh, lo- big logo in the middle of the jersey, but they had the, the Block NU logo, the script Huskers, on the shorts, um, you know, cream text and uh, outlines on on the uh, scarlet colored jersey. I was a fan of that look, but so that's the the Northwestern game, big game for Alec and you know Casey, obviously with the big shot at the end that got the place going. I will you know repeat this probably until the end of the season. Nothing, I haven't seen anything ignite a crowd in any venue <laughs> quite like. A case at Tomonaga heat check or heater uh, at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And uh, he loves the crowd and the crowd loves him. But that's summarizing, uh, you know, the win over Northwestern. Now on to Tuesday night. And Nebraska, they may be the kings of Peacock. Their third visit to Peacock for a broadcast this year. Uh, the previous two were the Oregon State game at the Pentagon and the win over then number one ranked Purdue. And this game, you know, Nebraska was trailing at the start, but then shots started falling. Ohio State led by nine in the first half. Nebraska brings in Sam Hoiberg off the bench to be a little spark plug. And I know what you're thinking. You look at the stat book, and Sam Hoiberg had one point, four boards, two fouls, and a turnover. But, I mean, they bring him in midway through the first half, and that's when things changed, and that's when shots started falling. Obviously, the headline of the win over Ohio State is the career night for one Mr. Rink Mast. And after his last couple outings, um, you know, he had a couple, you know, finishes inside against Northwestern. But after the games at Iowa and Rutgers, seeing Rink Mast bounce back and bounce back in a big way, he was on another level. Uh, 34 points on an efficient 13 of 17 shooting, 6 of 8 from 3, 2 of 2 at the line, 10 boards, 4 assists and two blocks for the Dutchman, Rink Mast. And he was, I mean, he hit his first two, or top of the key threes, and then when he hit the step back on the right uh, the right wing, I looked at Steve Marek, who's sitting next to me at most of these games, shout out Steve and the Inside Nebraska crew, and I just said, oh, they, I, he's not just hot, he, he's, uh, he's on one tonight. And he was, for the rest of that game, a career high for Rink. And then talked about it on the the first podcast I recorded. I said, we may be in line for the C.J. Wilcher renaissance. I don't know if it's a renaissance anymore. It's a full-on, he's got a legitimate candidacy for Big Ten Sixth Man of the Year with some of these numbers he's putting up. He finished this game with 16, 6 of 12 shooting, 4 of 7 from three, and he, you know, he's averaging a career best 8.9, nine points, shooting 50% from the field, 44% from three, 92% from the free throw line, 50, 40, 90. Pretty damn impressive. Uh, right now, he ranks 11th in all of college basketball. Total shooting percentage for players with uh, greater than 42 point three point attempts, and 
you know, his shooting splits are wildly impressive. And he, you know, he's embraced his role coming off the bench and he thrives. And his teammates have kept talking about how much he, um, you know, the energy he brings off the bench. He, you know, this early in the second half, you know, Ohio State cut the lead to three in this game and CJ Wiltshire hit nearly identical corner pocket left corner threes to put Nebraska back up by nine and just the impact that he makes, you know, we kind of saw it in the way Rutgers was defending him because he's, you know, right now he's one of the best three point shooters, not just in the conference, but in the country. And he's playing really, really well. And to see that, you know, how far CJ's come in his, you know, Nebraska career, you know, I saw it was a point of contention for some folks online today. Uh, CJ Wilcher, has been a damn good player and he's been incredibly important to this Nebraska team and their success. And when he, it, you know, you know, this team, they've kind of become a live by the three, die by the three team. But right now, CJ Wilcher is their best three point shooter. And they've got, you know, they've got a group of guys who are all shooting above 40% in conference play. And, you know, that includes CJ, that includes Sam Hoiberg. Um, yeah, here it is. Nebraska has six players shooting over 40% from three in Big Ten play. Together, these six players are shooting 45% from deep overall. And as a team, Nebraska's shooting 40% in conference play. Wilcher's shooting 53%. Bryce Williams and Sam Hoiberg are shooting 42%. And Casey Domanaga is shooting 41% from three in conference play. And that comes back to just the theme of depth and having multiple guys who can win, who can go get theirs and can win you games. And Fred Hoiberg reiterated that in his post-game media saying the beauty of this team is it's not going to be the same guy every single night. And post-game, so the question that I got asked by people online over text and where was Kaysay? What happened to Kaysay? Is Kaysay okay? And I've been trying to reiterate this point since since the preseason. Kese Tomonaga does not have to be your leading scorer every night for this team to be successful. Yeah, he only played 14 minutes, only had five points, but Ohio State was getting whatever they wanted when they had Roddy Gale or Bruce Thornton go right at him because Kese is a defensive liability. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. It's not an insult. We know what he's capable of on offense, but on on defense, he's he's a liability. And Ohio State was exploiting that early on, and the matchup was just not beneficial uh, for Casey to be playing extended minutes. And he had a three and a floater, was two of six from the field, and you know, rank obviously with a career night. Wilcher was sixteen. Bryce Williams got the double figures late in the game, and you know, there was a you know every every Husker who played scored a point. Once again, balance, depth, on full display for Nebraska. And after turning it over 18 times against Northwestern, they only turned it over six times against Ohio State. They had 19 assists on 30 made shots. Uh, that's good basketball. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's real. That's pretty good basketball. And you know, Ohio State. I don't know what to make of them right now. There was a point where I thought they may be your fourth best, fifth best team in the conference. They should be a lot better than they are. They aren't very connected. Uh, Chris Holtman, I mean, he's aged like a president. 
And when I say that, I mean, you, you know, people will put the side by side of you know, a president when he gets first elected and eight years later and eight years is a lot of time. And Chris Holtman's been in Columbus seven years and he's definitely aged like a president. I don't know if he's going to be your head coach in Columbus next year. And, you know, he almost predicted, you know, his media availability before he, you know, before the Buckeyes departed to come to Lincoln, he, he emphasized that he knew the matchup with rank mass was going to be an issue. And, Having Felix Akpara or Zed Key, you know, chasing around rink mast was not the best idea, and it didn't go well for Ohio State. Uh, they, you know, Thornton still got to 16, Jameson Battle got to 11, and uh, Hardman also got to 11 off the bench. But they were just, they took a bunch of bad shots. They were just, you know, they, like I said, they weren't very connected. Chris Holtman was visibly frustrated after the game and you know it just I don't know where they go from here they haven't won a road game since the first week of January in 2023 they haven't won a road game this year and since the first week of January of last year they haven't won a game on the road and that's no good and they you know Ohio State alumnus Mark Titus came on my former show last year and said he still thinks the Schottenstein Center is the worst atmosphere in the Big Ten. And, you know, we saw, you know, it's a, it's a big cavernous arena. We saw what happened in the uh, women's game there over the weekend when they took down Iowa. I will not be talking about that situation. I do not believe Caitlin Clark flopped. Come at me if you want. That's all I'll say on that. But Ohio State basketball is in a weird spot. Weird, weird spot. And I... uh Glad that this podcast isn't centered on them going forward because I don't know where they go from here. From the Nebraska side, um, you know, can't say enough about Rink Mass' performance, and he's been through been through a lot this year. The minor knee procedure, the off the court incident before the year that you know heard through the grapevine. You know, the the staff. You know, it was a way a little more severe than it was portrayed. Uh, before the season, and you know he's been through a lot, and for him to set a new career high, uh, it coincided with his appearance on uh, the Journey on BTN, where he talked about why he came to Nebraska and he wanted to prove himself in the the bright lights and the big stage of the Big Ten. And you know, we've we've seen we've seen it at its best. We've seen it not look so good for Rink Mast, but you know he and he was visibly. You know, he was smiling ear to ear and just talked about how fun, how much fun he was having, having fun. And you know, when that's when basketball is at its best is when it when it's fun. And right now, Nebraska basketball is fun. They're fifteen and five. <laughs> that's it's January. They're fifteen and five, and right now they're on the right side of the bubble for the NCAA tournament, and uh, that's fun for everybody. So, yeah, Nebraska, eighty three sixty nine over. Ohio State and 75-69 over Northwestern to improve to 15 and 5 on the season. We can I'll now, you know, take a look at the metrics, what the metrics uh, are saying about the Huskers. Uh, Ken Palm, they're up to number 45 in Ken Palm. New projected record is 21 and 10, 11 and 9 in the Big 10. I think you're that'd be a pretty good number to get to wins-wise. Nebraska now is in the top 25 in offensive efficiency in the country. They are in at number 25 on Ken Palm. Uh, 
still a good amount of green and not a lot of red. The only red is in, you know, a couple is in block percentage and they don't have a shot blocker and defensive turnover percentage. And, you know, there's not a lot of, yeah, there's a good amount of green and that's, you know, good projection for Nebraska to finish the year. Over to Bart Torvik, they're at number 41 on Bart. Uh, they are the number 18 offensive efficiency in the country per Torvik uh, has the turning odds at 65.9% right now for Nebraska uh, with the most likely seed being a nine seed. The Ohio state game got a 95 on Bart's game grader. The Northwestern game got an 89. The highest grade on there still remains the Purdue win projected record on Bart is also 21 and 10, 11 and nine in the league. Uh, over to Evan Mayakawa has Nebraska 52nd in the country in the country. Uh, he doesn't have a win-loss projection for the season. He does have player ratings. He has Nebraska's most valuable player right now based on offensive rating, defensive rating combined is Juwan Gary, who's followed by Rink Mass, Kese, Josiah Alec, and Bryce Williams and CJ Wilcher are rated. Um, the BPR on EvanMiyakawa.com. And um, we can talk more out now about the Maryland game. Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Central Time tip in College Park against the Terps. Uh, Maryland, that was the first Big Ten arena I ever went on a road trip on to. And uh, we played there on New Year's Day 2017. Some of you may remember that game because Nebraska was down – we were down 10 or 12 with at the under four media timeout. And then uh, then Maryland didn't score for the rest of the game. <laughs> and we won we won that game. And I you know, still have the video of uh, Coach Miles coming into the locker room and getting water poured on him and James Palmer dancing. And even though he wasn't on the team that year, that was Palmer's redshirt year, but he was an upper Marlboro uh, kid. So he was celebrating in the locker room. And we won that day, 67 65, I say we because I was a part of the program then. But, yeah, looking at this box score, Ty Webster with 18, Glenn Watson with 17. This Maryland team had some dudes, too. Kevin Herter had 26 that day. He was 7 of 11 from 3. And my, you know, freshman think-I-know-everything self, you know, I – I knew who Melo Trimble, Anthony Cowan were. I did not know who Kevin Herter was. And after the game, I looked at my boss on the staff and I said, "Redhead kid, pretty good, huh? That kid, that kid can shoot." I didn't know about him. And <laughs> my boss goes, "Well, he was New York Mr. Basketball last year." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> that that explains a thing or two." But uh, when I yeah, when I think of Maryland, I think of that trip. I also think of the fact that. Uh, that was when Nebraska was recruiting Isaac Copeland uh, to try and get him to transfer in, which he did eventually. And right outside of the visitor's locker room at the Xfinity Center was a picture from a Georgetown-Maryland game uh, focusing on the Maryland student section. But Isaac Copeland was shooting free throws in the picture. And uh, Kenya Hunter, who was the lead recruiter on, on Cope at the time, took a picture of that and sent it to Isaac, and Isaac wound up coming to Nebraska. But those are the things that I've got some some good memories associated with uh, playing at uh, Maryland. But, you know, Nebraska, they're going to they're gonna be an underdog, even though the Terps have kind of underperformed this year. They were 
picked uh, top four in the league. They're 12 and eight on the season. Um, and they, everything starts and not ends, but most of, most of what you need to know about Maryland is Jameer Young, a transfer guard from Charlotte. He's another Upper Marlboro kid. A lot of good basketball players come out of Upper Marlboro, Maryland, um, just in the, feels like forever, but he started his career off at Charlotte, and then he transferred up to Maryland prior to last year. This year he's averaging 20 points, four rebounds, four assists, on 43% from the field. He's uh, listed at 6-1, but he does just about everything for the Terps. He won them the, their game on Wednesday night in Iowa City. Uh, step ba- a step back three, uh, pull up, and then a, you know just blowing by uh, Josh Dix and going to the rim for a layup with just under two seconds to go. The one Maryland, the game on the road at Kaka 9 to 67. Maryland also, they pressure the hell out of you on defense. They have the t- number 12 defensive efficiency in the country, the number 14 defensive effective field goal percentage, and uh, the number 11 defensive two-point percentage in the country. And what helps them with that two-point percentage is that they have Julian Reese uh, inside. He is uh, the 6'9", Big man, he is Angel Reese's brother. Angel Reese also started her career at Maryland before transferring to LSU. Julian is averaging 13 points, just under, he's averaging just under a double-double. 13.6 points, 9.8 rebounds, uh, 52% from the field for Julian Reese. He plays a lot on the inside, as does Dante Scott, who I feel like has been at Maryland for, he's another one of those guys who you feel like he's been, been around forever. I feel like he was playing when I was a manager still, but this is his uh, his fifth season as a Terp. He's a, he's their third leading scorer, 11 points per game, uh, just under five rebounds, 43% uh, from the field. He's shooting 39% from three. Um, next, next in line is Deshaun Harris-Smith. He's a highly touted freshman from the DMV, seven points, 4.6 rebounds, uh, 34% from the field, but he's a, he was a pretty highly touted get out of the DMV for Kevin Willard. Jordan Geronimo transferred in from Indiana. He's a New Jersey kid, 6'6", forward. He's averaging six, just under four boards. Uh, he will he does a lot inside. He will take threes, but I, I'm not so sure he'll, he'll make any of them. And then Jahari Long, he's a senior... Uh, Senior guard averaging five. He transferred. He followed Willard from Seton Hall to Maryland, and then um, the uh, Jamie Kaiser. He's another DMV kid, freshman, six six, three points, three points, two boards. He'll play quite a bit. He's playing just under twenty minutes, but a lot of a lot of what Maryland does is Jameer Young, a good friend of mine. Um, I've referenced him a couple times, won't name him, but he's uh, in the coaching ranks and his team, they played Maryland this year and, um, you know, he was, you know, he was scouting Maryland going in and he just called me and said, what the hell is this team? It's just everyone stand around and watch Jameer Young try to play bully ball as a barely six foot tall guard. And funny enough, his team beat Maryland. So, um, every time I've watched Maryland, it's been a lot of Jameer Young, uh, Julian Reese, either 
playing really well or doing something dumb. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess Bryce Williams will probably get the start on Jameer. They are former teammates, and it's kind of what Nebraska's done the last couple games to try to bother guards with Bryce Williams' length. He got the start on Thornton defensively against Ohio State before you know Sam Hoiberg took the reins there and kind of held him in check. And then Bryce Williams, he also started on Boo Booey in that Northwestern game. He'll probably get the first shot at Jameer Young. We'll see what they do. Obviously, you know, you've, it's going to take a you know, no one's really held him in check. He's got multiple 30 point games this year. He dropped 36 on the road at UCLA. I know UCLA is, is down this year, but you know, he's, he's been wildly, wildly impressive. Um, you know, after the Rutgers game for the Nebraska Rutgers game, Northwestern Maryland was the next game up and Jameer Young had 36 in that game too. 36 on 19 shots. He's dropped 30 a couple times. He's a really, really good player, man. And I, you know, he's kind of, he's obviously the top of the scouting report for the Huskers. And, you know, and then next up is going to be just the intense, you know, how much they pressure on, on defense. But it'll be a tough game. I saw the, they're calling for students to wear black. Uh, they referred to the arena as Turp Town, had a turtle logo with Guy Fieri hair on it. And don't know what the hell that's all about, but it'll be a tough game. 11 a.m. Saturday matinee, um, you know, same, uh, that was the same game time we played there in, in 2017, 11 a.m. New Year's Day. It was sleepy then. I don't know if what the environment will be like. When that play, when Maryland's good and that place is going, that's one of the better atmospheres in the country. And I, it's, uh, I don't know what what they how they feel about Kevin Willard out there, but I just know Jameer Young is really really good. It'll be a so it's a winnable game for Nebraska, but you know it's they've been Jekyll and Hyde on the road. Uh, when we heard from Rink Mast and C.J. Wilcher after the game, you know it got to the point where they were kind of tired of talking about how good they played and against Ohio State, and they finished by saying, "Now we got to lock in, we got to focus, and we got to go get one on the road." And that's the the main main mission for Nebraska. They got to get it, get a couple on the road before the end of the year. They got some huge ones coming up as well. After after Maryland, they you know Wisconsin comes to town next week. Then they go to Illinois, to Northwestern, and then the uh, remaining away games are at Assembly Hall against Indiana, at Ohio State, and at Michigan. And they gonna have to win a few of those to add to the tournament resume before the end of the year. So that's looking at Maryland. Ken Palm projects a 70-69 to 69 Terp win. Gives Nebraska a 45% chance to win. Torvik says, also says Maryland by a point. Uh, gives, give, you know, gives uh, has it as 52-48 in terms of win percentage. Uh, Evan Mayakawa, he does game projections. He says Maryland by... 3.6 as the projected score is 72 to 68.3. So spread will probably be Maryland minus two and a half, maybe minus three and a half, um, but gives Nebraska a 35% chance to win. And then the ESPN basketball power index gives Maryland a 64% chance to win on Saturday in College Park. That's the rundown previewing Nebraska, Maryland. Um, since Nebraska doesn't play again until Thursday, trying to get a guest uh, to help preview Wisconsin. If Nebraska wins, 
That's going to be a gong show environment at Pinnacle Bank Arena on Thursday night. I think it'll be pretty juiced up regardless. But if, you know, Nebraska is on a heater, consec- you know, th- that'd be, a, you know, the Lou Brown Major League. Um, we won a game yesterday. We win one today. That's two in a row. We win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. If Nebraska's coming into that Wisconsin game on a three-game winning streak, you'd call it palpable buzz. Shout out Rothstein. But that'd be the rematch with Wisconsin, the Chucky Hepburn of it all as well. Wisconsin may be in the top 10. They're number 13 right now. Uh, 7.30 tip Thursday night. Be some juice in there. That'll be quite the atmosphere. But if Nebraska's on a three-game winning streak, be that even more so. Can wrap up looking around the Big Ten. Been some pretty, uh, some good games recently. Northwestern Illinois last night was incredible to watch. Northwestern gets the win 96-91 at Welsh Ryan. And this is less than a month after they went to Champaign. Lost by 30 when Illinois was without Terrence Shannon Jr. Terrence Shannon Jr. was available in this game. In fact, he played 40 minutes and Northwestern gets the win by 5 in overtime. Boo Booey, who was a non-factor over the weekend in Northwestern's loss in Lincoln, drops 29. Well, was 29 points on 25 shots, so not exactly an efficient 29, but combine that with 23 from Barnheiser, 14 from Ty Berry, and the Cats now have two top 10 wins at home at Welsh Ryan. And they also have a loss at home to Chicago State. Anarchy. <laughs> I'm not going to keep quoting Rothstein, but it's, it's just college basketball is extra weird this year. Northwestern now has two of the better wins in the Big Ten at home, and they are tracking to get a double bye. They're going to go back to the NCAA tournament for two straight years. They've never done that in program history. But, you know, Illinois, you know, they were, you know, they got Terrence Shannon back. Uh, the first game, they they blitzed Rutgers at home. Uh, you know, Terrence Shannon trying to get his feet back under him, obviously. But um, it's a they're a weird team, and I I will never believe that Brad Underwood is a good coach. Um, I'll maybe expand on that at some point later in the year. But you know, the shot at the end of the game for Marcus Domask was just dumb. Coleman Hawkins takes so many shots that are just dumb. And both those guys finished with 22. Quincy Guria had 15. Terrence, Terrence Shannon had 12 points um, and had some interesting things chanted at him. Not interesting, but, well, whatever. But chanted at him by a Northwestern student section that was full. Welsh Ryan was packed. It was loud. It was jumping. I really enjoyed the call from Connor Onion and Robbie Hummel, too. It was a great college basketball atmosphere. And I know the... Illinois Northwestern. You don't think that when you think Big Ten rivalry, but in hoops, it's it's been it's probably it's usually good for one blowout and one damn good game a year. And we got one blowout and we got a damn good game. Um, and then I alluded to it when talking about Jameer Young. Jameer Young goes goes to the glass with you know one point five seconds left to beat Iowa at Carver Hawkeye. Seventeen of his twenty two points against Iowa. We're in the second half, and he's just—he's a really good player. Um, during that Ohio State game on Tuesday night, Wisconsin escapes the barn with a 61-59 win 
over Minnesota. Little did we know the most dangerous position in the Big Ten is up double digits at the barn because Wisconsin almost pulled a Nebraska and blew a 15-plus point lead. Um, Minnesota also almost accomplished the on-purpose missed free throw shot at the buzzer. I mean, they almost tied the game. I mean, it was... I've never seen it. I've hardly, I don't know if I've ever seen that work. But the guy at the line, I forget if it was Hawkins or Mike Mitchell, he misses the free throw on purpose, gets his own board. That's like a fall away mid range to tie the game, and it rims out. And uh, Wisconsin escapes by two. Uh, Michigan basketball, still a dumpster fire. Can't confirm. They lose by 32 at Mackey Arena to Purdue. Um, I don't, I've heard rumblings in my my circles that Michigan wants to give Jawan Howard another year. <laughs> they just lost Jim Harbaugh to the NFL, but supposedly uh, they want to give Jawan Howard another year. I know the Fab Five guys were all back together at Chrysler for the first time since they played in that Ohio State game on MLK Day. I don't know how in the hell you give Jawan Howard another season. Last year was such a letdown with – a couple lottery picks and an All-American and Hunter Dickinson on your team, and you don't even make the NCAA tournament. And now they're just a dumpster fire. They're an absolute dumpster fire. Um, Nebraska gets Michigan twice down the stretch. And of note, uh, there are two arenas in the Big Ten that Nebraska has not won in yet. One is Mackey Arena. They don't go to Mackey Arena this year. The second arena is the Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor. Nebraska has never won there. This would be the year to add that uh, to the list. Uh, Since we last talked, Michigan State went on the road. They beat Maryland by two in an ugly, ugly basketball game. That was not very pleasing to the eye to watch. I tuned in on Sunday. It was on CBS. And, you know, Michigan State, the old cliche of January, February, Izzo, but it's it's still January, and Tom Izzo has been kind of alluding to the fact that he thinks his guys are getting are getting set to go on a run. Uh, they're twelve and seven. They, you know, he go to Wisconsin on Friday night, and then they got the in-state rivalry game on Peacock on Tuesday against Michigan. Um, they've still got you know they've kind of they've got the you know their schedule. They could make a little run at it. They. Go to Mackey to play Purdue in March. They finish the season at Assembly Hall, and that's, you know, they have Illinois coming to East Lansing in a couple of weeks. But other than that, a fairly favorable finishing run for Michigan State. And the metrics still love the Spartans, too. I think they're still in the top. Yeah, they're 16th on Ken Palm right now. They're top 35 in offense and top 20 in defensive metrics. And projected to finish 20 and 11 and if they get to 20 wins they'll they'll be in the NCAA tournament again and I don't know how far they'll go but you know Tom Izzo said it when he walked off the podium at PBA on December 10th when none of none of us in the Nebraska media asked him any questions mostly because the Michigan State guys asked him like at least three a three a person he said none of you Nebraska people asking questions uh, that's a that's a good win for you guys you should have should have asked <laughs> it's uh Michigan State, are they poised to make a run down the stretch? Uh, you know, right now they're seventh in the league, but they're also in the the mucked up middle, and with four losses, a couple teams are in there with four. So Nebraska goes to Maryland on the weekend. Uh, like I said, um, I'll, 
of the other games of note on the weekend. Friday night, uh, Michigan State goes to Wisconsin. Um, you know, Wisconsin took care of Sparty early in the year at the Breslin Center. We'll see if Michigan State can bounce back in that one. Um, there's not really, it's kind of iffy. Saturday, uh, the BTN, BTN has two other games. It's Minnesota, Penn State, and Ohio State, Northwestern. Eh. Uh, Iowa on the road at, at Michigan, and Indiana, Illinois, and Champaign. Eh. Sunday is uh, Purdue-Rutgers at the rack, and uh, Rutgers has beaten Purdue the last uh, couple times they've come to the rack, so I'm not saying it's going to happen again. I don't really know if this Rutgers team is very good, but um, yeah, then there's the games start to get a little more interesting uh, next week, especially with uh, the Nebraska-Wisconsin game, standalone Big Ten game on uh, Thursday night at PBA. But I will be back uh, early next week trying to wrangle another guest because you guys seem to love the uh, having Gary on the show. The was by far the most uh, listens we've had. Um, so we don't know if we're going to have an hour and a half long episodes uh, going forward, but definitely you know, going to use my use my Rolodex, get some more of my my basketball pals, whether they're athletes, coaches, uh, media pals, whatever I can get to come add to the show, add to the discourse uh, down the home stretch because we are uh, on a path that appears to be leading to uh, Nebraska playing very meaningful basketball in the month of February and in March. So the more the merrier. Um, I appreciate everybody who's uh, stayed along on this ride and uh, continues to listen to the pod, continues to provide good feedback. Uh, Only had a couple questions on social media um, I asked for any other questions, comments, or concerns after these two after the two games for this week, and this was all that I got. Uh, Ray asks, any thoughts on Bryce Williams' body language? Seems to be not dialed in at times with teammates. No expression whatsoever. There was a moment early on last game where a teammate touched him and he brushed it off. Um, I'm just going to point to when I said Bryce Williams carries himself like the Terminator. Um, he doesn't really show much emotion, and I think people have seen the emotion of Sam Greasel and Keisei Tomonaga and some really, you know, guys react with a lot of emotion and passion, and when they see someone who not do it, they get worried. I'm not too worried about Bryce Williams and his body language because I think he's a really good basketball player, and I think he is a big key for Nebraska going forward. Um, the only other thing I got asked was a common complaint early in Fred's tenure was the volume of threes shot by the team. However, this team is shooting more and making more. How and why? And that question came from Froff, and Froff is right. Nebraska leads the Big Ten in three-point field goals made per game at 9.3, and 45% of the shots they take are threes, and I think it's... Um, it's not as simple as they have better players, but they have better players, <laughs> and they have a, a better you know sense of scheme and rhythm on offense, and uh, yeah, it's where that comes from. They don't have a bunch of uh, Juco mercenaries uh, hired guns. Uh, they've got some portal guys still, but they've, they've got guys who know their role. They have better players, and that's what 
uh, is causing that. So that is for Ray and Froff who tweeted at us. Thank you. And uh, thanks again to everyone else who's been tuned in. If you haven't already, uh, go leave a review on uh, Apple or Spotify. It really helps the show, helps the algorithm, and um, means a lot. means the world to me. Um, if you you know have friends looking for some Nebraska basketball content down the home stretch, uh, this is the place for them. And you can follow the show on Twitter, at StretchBigPod. We'll be back um, early next week, uh, talk about this Maryland game, preview a big week, uh, Wisconsin at home, a trip to Champaign, two uh, top 15 teams at the moment. We'll see if how far Illinois falls after their loss at Northwestern. But uh, six, three games, three games in six days for Nebraska um, at, at uh, you know, yeah, like I said, Wisconsin at home, at Illinois, at Northwestern. That's uh Big uh, three-game stint for the Huskers, and uh, we will be here to preview it, talk about it, and break it down. Uh, That's the show. Uh, Be sure to tell somebody you love them. I will talk to you again next week. Mm